I am 30. EBI 5 is done. Gary's still a stud. UFC 194. UFC tough finale. So many fights, which means it's time for Verbal Tap. The show that proves fighting is phenomenally easier. From outside the cage, I am your host, Kevin. With me, of course, Raf Esparza, who was at EBI 5. Raf, how are you doing this evening? Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't, don't just jump past you being 30. Oh, I thought we were riding on it. We're, I mean, it's done. We've, but how uh, do you feel? Like, do you feel older? feel really ready to do some jiu-jitsu. And yeah, I mean, I feel cold right now. It is 13 degrees in Denver with uh, about seven inches of snow. You keep moving to these cold places, and then you're, like, surprised when it's cold. So I don't know that you really get to claim that, but I do feel bad for you. Welcome to the age of 30, Kev, or as I call it, Master's Division Ready. Hey, (laughs) yeah, that's that's something to think about. That's absolutely a thing to think about. Your whole life changes now, Kev. Yeah, I could do seminar. Now when they say, like, hey, if you were born before this year, you get to go hang out with these cool people. Uh, the only sad part is your master's ready, but you're not quite at old man strength yet. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll just get this shit kicked out of me. Welcome to that introduction. That's great. How are you doing? Did you answer that, or were you? Because <laughs> the thirtieth was great. I, honestly, that was a way more important thing to address your thirtieth than how I'm feeling. But I guess if we're gonna ask, good, tired been a very busy few days i unfortunately didn't get to see all the fights because well one uh i was doing event coverage out here i did ebi five and uh, i got to go meet a whole bunch of people and do a whole bunch of fun stuff that i'm sure you guys are seeing trickle onto the internet poor Hemplo, and we're talking uh, to casey halstead on the show today and he yes was, and a little bit about that he's got all the stuff we need to know about ebi five and has some really cool stuff Absolutely. So we'll talk a little bit about that uh, a little bit later. But it was just so cool running into everybody. Uh, It's just such a nice reunion. Um, But Kevin was actually watching more of the fights this weekend uh, as I was unable to. Just been a jam-packed set of days. So uh, UFC Christmas came early and there's still another fight coming this weekend with uh, – who are those people? They they seem important. Yeah. The Cowboy Cerrone, whom you and I are doing a very good starting campaign to get him on the yes. show. We've, uh, I already like you've challenged him to a Bud Light contest. You've offered him the chance to just kick me in the head as hard as he wants. Which is yes, fascinating. Like uh, Mac from It's Always Sunny, which is a very funny video. Yes, and he's fighting Rafael dos Anjos, and I'm excited because I I do not know exactly what to expect from dos Anjos, but I do know what to expect from Cerrone. And I'm excited for it. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a great fight. So Edgar I'm looking won forward to that as well. Last Thursday in the tough yep. finale, he uh, just knocked out Chad Mendes hard. Yes. So the mean. It was good for him, and that's some awesome stuff. Uh, Sage Northcutt can use the internet sometimes, maybe, depending on who you ask. <laughs> if he's allowed to. I love that he was saying, like, I learn it for my homework. Yay. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's how we all started. Yep. Good, good, good luck, Sage. Things are going well. And Ryan Hall using some JJ, according to everyone on my BJJ Facebook feed and yes. in the community, shows that jujitsu is the only art you need. No, it was uh, Ryan Hall wins using some dominant grappling as well as some really good striking skills. So. Which is really nice because 
uh, it was just kind of a surprise. We didn't know that the other dude was out of the competition. And then all of a sudden we – the jiu-jitsu community just explodes uh, when they find out that Ryan Hall is just days away from competing and having a 50-50 chance of making it as the next Ultimate Fighter ends up winning it in dominant fashion. And, uh, you know, jiu-jitsu, it, it's a good day for us, guys. It's nice to be able to look up there and see that. So uh, congratulations to him. What else is hot around the circuit? You've been throwing some good stuff. You've been, If you're not following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, you should be. Yes, you absolutely should be. Uh, well, first of all, Kev, let's do this. You know, every once in a while we put out a thing, a little notice that gets you guys to tell us what it is you think uh, of a certain event. But we ask you to do it in three words because, let's face it, we got to be brief. It's hard enough Kev, did you talking, you know. happen to see some of those, oh, those yeah. you know, posts? So we said – in three words, describe UFC 194. Uh, would you like to read one? I would. And points if you upped the game and also decided to use meme form. And this is this is actually the first response. And I love this. It's a two-parter. Uh, Tyler says, finally, Rockhold is rocking the gold. First of all, that's a real good Leslie Nope headline that she's always throwing at the reporter. But then yes. directly underneath that, Carlos says three words and what i like about this in total is that neither of them use three words uh even when admonishing (laughs) that one of them didn't use three words i was like that's great that's fantastic if i were to make one correction i would just say three words dick but you know (laughs) how hard is that and that but then i can't i don't get to love the irony of three words uh i love that one my absolute favorite one and i'm not being partial at anything it's not even the highest voted one but it is my favorite well actually who who's really joking here it was the absolute best ranked one that boy good which yeah, is from the, <laughs> the movie coming to america when <laughs> they go to the guy in the audience at the church fundraiser scene and he is seeing sexual chocolate perform and his response as the audience is lukewarm or disgusted is, that boy good, <laughs> which is my favorite line. And then I think if I remember correctly, or at least I've made up this line, but I'm pretty sure Artisinio Hall goes, ah, terrible good, which is one of my favorite things to say just in life. Yeah, that boy good. Oh, terrible good. Uh, I'll throw a few more. We've got Go one. I, I like this one too. We got movement coaching worked. Question mark. That's good. Thanks, Timmy Gunn. We appreciate that one. Logan Gonzalez saying them red panties, which I believe is in reference to our good friend Conor McGregor, telling people, you know, get your shit together. It's going to be a party parade, red party panty parade. And I mean, at this point, Jesus Christ, him, Donald Cerrone talking shit to each other. Just let them do it. Oh, completely. Why would you stop what's perfect? And that is, that's great. Because one of them, yep. yeah, that's great. Uh, this is something that I saw people put up a couple times, though, Kev, because I put it up on my personal account, too. But somebody put, holy shit. Yeah. So thanks, Chris McDaniels, being one of those people. I also, yeah, and on that brand advice, worth every penny. I completely agree. Thanks, Brian Bryce. 
Braden. Braden. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Ruben Avelia, what the fuck? It sounds like somebody was uh, pissed for Jose Aldo. Well, and there's also there's a few other fights I would interpret that too. There was a lot of what the fucks. Yep. I also had a okay. what the fuck with Jacare. I was like, that was, oh. uh, you would enjoy this one though. Ross Greer put one that said two class champ, which uh, someone underneath him did the opposite of what they did above, which was they responded with three words as well, which was you are high. <laughs> And uh, uh, I would just like to support both of them. Uh, if, you know, if we're high, that's great. I love AJ Ernest putting, wait, what happened? <laughs> and uh, then let's go down to Kiyoshi, who puts Maya Jiu-Jitsu. Great. Well, I mean, we also have our good friend, Drew Reatherhead, who uh, I believe was hosting his own podcast, who put 13 seconds. Yeah. I, so a lot he, of guys... Hold on. He did something. He broke up third and Ean. Mm-hmm. Makes it three words. I like uh, the he does make it three words. However, no. <laughs> uh, Terry G. Stone put that was quick, which understatement. Dan Applin had the timing is everything, which is that same. <laughs> Those quick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I do love the fact that people were very serious about it because they I mean, it was an interesting event. At least to read uh, from my perspective. So there is that. We had a couple more uh, folks. <laughs> Caleb Johnson just put Colin fucking McGregor. Which is which, uh, pretty well summarized. I think that that is the best way to end that. So our thanks to everybody who sent in those. We love it when you guys get in touch with us. Uh, feel free to send us. Three words at any given point. You can reach us on our Facebook at Verbal Tapcast. You could also go on our Twitter. It's at Verbal Tapcast as well. And uh, you know what? Screw it. Do the trifecta. Do the Instagram too. Send us some shit. Yeah. It's way more. Now, guess what? Where, where, where was the handle on that one? Pictures. It's at Verbal Tapcast. It's pretty easy, guys. For all three of them. <laughs> it's pretty easy. Not yeah. the easiest thing, right? Doing nothing is technically easy. Yes. But you don't get to see pictures. No. No, 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 no. We so have good, good stuff. Great stuff on there. We have good stuff coming up on this podcast. We have amazing guests. We're bringing Austin Stack back on to talk about UFC 194. Before that, as previously mentioned, we're talking to Casey Alstead. He has Joe Murphy in the car with him. It's going to be a blast. Before we actually go to Casey, I actually got to talk with a couple people on the way out. Uh, from EBI. Look we just wanted you. to see what people thought about it. I love it when you uh, clip on the journalist mode. And sp- you didn't tell He didn't tell me he was doing this, listeners. That's no, right. no, 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 no. <laughs> Brand new information. Just a little surprise. Because if I can geek I like out for a little happens. second, though, I got this new microphone. Maybe you're seeing it in the new video. You may see me talking with Eric, Eddie, Wolverine Cummings, and Gary Tonin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a video of that going up right now. Go uh, like, favorite, share that. Um, but yeah, we got a new microphone. It's really rad and we, we talked with a couple of people on site right after EBI 5, and we wanted to see what they thought. And maybe it's what you guys think, too. So don't feel free, like you can't talk to us because you can always approach us, and we're always happy to get you guys and see what you guys think. So here's a couple quick interviews, and then we're going to go talk with Casey right after that. Hey, guys. Uh, I am here with Grego Hamilton. Uh, Gregor, what was your favorite part of EBI? Man, I think just overall, I think the matches were all exciting. I think everybody's really going for the kill. And I just think overall, this is probably one of the best professional jiu-jitsu productions 
out there, and I think it's great. Guys get rewarded with some money at the end, like Gary winning twenty grand. I mean, that, not many awesome. other competitions will give that. No. Did you uh, have a particular favorite match? You know, I really like the final. I do have to say, I, I forgot the gentleman's name from Zenith, but uh, man, that guy, Rafael. Yes, Rafael. He was very exciting. I really very very him. easy to forget name. I yeah, understand. True, true, but he was he was awesome, man. It was really great. It was really great. Yeah. Good stuff. Will you be trying to steal what you just learned out here today? I, I will try, but I really love the gi. So in no gi, it's it's really, you can't you know, say that here. Dude, you need to get out of here. All right, thank you very much. Hey, guys, I'm here with... Marvin Castell. Uh, Marvin, uh, so you're from 10th Planet. Yes. Okay. What was your favorite match that you think displayed the most 10th Planet here? Um, Favorite match, uh, most exciting match we'll start with was uh, Lila and uh, Talita. Obviously, the girls went off again. Uh, they went back and forth. That's what sub is about. Attacking, defending, attacking, defending. One of them loses, so they both lose. Or the fastest time, obviously. Are you scared of these kids creating an uprising because they're too good, too young? Yes, they actually are too good and too young. Uh, I actually teach a bunch of students at HQ. I'm the head kids instructor, so it, it comes hand in hand. It comes hand in hand. Are you looking at them, and are you heel-hooking them now so that they uh, are sidelined? Uh, no heel-hooks for now, but they're definitely looking at heel-hooking me right now. <laughs> they're definitely looking at it. You probably should think of that. Heel-hook them first. <laughs> Deal with the repercussions later. Do you have a favorite match here today? Um, yes, I think Lila Tilu is my favorite match. Um, favorite uh, actual match in the tournament. I would say, um, I thought, uh, let's say Gary Tonin. Gary Tonin and... Um, the last match that was Domingo. I thought that was actually my favorite one. Uh, good attack. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate it, dude. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a rare treat whenever you get the opportunity to talk to not only a successful person in jiu-jitsu, not only a successful coach to MMA stars, but also someone who can tell you exactly what was going on at EBI as he was helping to put it on. If you get all of these people all in one, you're lucky enough to talk with our good friend, Casey Alstead. Casey, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Uh, Not bad, man. I got to tell you something. You are a busy human being. Yes, sir. That that is accurate. We had to to track him down in the car. (laughs) We did. And we were excited to do so. It was like, absolutely. Yeah, you can talk, do it. Hook the Bluetooth up. Because here's the thing, Kev, he was not only uh, one of the driving forces behind EBI this weekend, but he had just finished opening up a whole bunch of gyms for opening week. Uh, you know, he's changing a new station out to uh, Las Vegas. He's going to have a gym out there, and we're excited to talk about that. Casey, how did that happen? How did you come to putting out a new gym out there? Because you've got three out here in California. Yes, I do. Uh, well, a few years ago, we opened 10th Planet Costa Mesa. And uh, it was pretty successful, and then we've just kind of been developing talent ever ever since. And as uh, as our white belts became purple belts and so on, we were able to start expanding uh, guys like Budo Matt, Scary Carey, Andrew Ram, Adam, uh, Mike Frosto. They started uh, taking prominent roles into the gyms. And, and then uh, since we opened Costa Mesa, now we also have a uh, 10th Planet Buena Park and 10th Planet Orange as well. And, uh, you know, how I ended up getting to Vegas is kind of a long story. I'll try to make it short. Uh, I had a, I just had a baby at 41 years old, and, and I, I just retired from my day job on the 17th of last month. 
so I've, I've really been grinding away and, uh, this baby changed my life. And, and so I was trying to find a place where I thought that a gym could be successful and the cost of living would be low enough for, uh, the money that I make just off of, uh, jujitsu to support my family. And Vegas was, uh, Vegas was what I came down to and, uh, talked to Eddie Bravo and Eddie Bravo gave me his blessing. And I, I moved quick so I didn't get cold feet. And here we are. Now I'm about three weeks away from opening 10th Planet Las Vegas. That's so rad. And and I love the fact, I mean, obviously, I mean, not to jump on any shoes here, but you had to have been given the blessing because you have three wonderful programs out here in California. I had the chance to go train over at Buena Park and everybody there was just wonderfully nice. And it was funny because at first they give me that look like, who are you? And I was like, I know Casey. And literally everybody just goes, okay. <laughs> Sounds good. That's good. That's good to hear. No, but that's kind of the culture. That's the culture that we've developed. Mm-hmm. You know, over the last five years or so, we try to stay away from the politics. Yeah, and uh, and we like to keep uh, just a very liberal training schedule, along with just a great attitude. And and I think that uh, my students, as well as my friends, are really keeping that spirit alive since I'm gone. And and hearing that from you, you know, being a person that I respect so much, yeah. that's that's great. I'm very happy that it's. That, that that was the case. Well, and Casey, I, I hate to say this, uh, you know, on air, but I mean, really, really, this is the nice part for me is I brought somebody who was a novice uh, who just really was interested in jujitsu there. And when you do that and you're, you're visiting yourself, you know, you run the risk of bringing down the class like you don't want to make everybody have to pull back and learn something great. Uh, but, uh, they were able to compensate and, and give my friend really detailed instruction and, and just everybody there was so nice to him. And those are the things you pay attention to when you go to a gym. So a uh, credit to you, your staff, your gym. I mean, it, it's just, it's beautiful to see. And I, I really like that about you guys. Awesome. Thank you for the kind words. We really appreciate that. Yeah. I'm curious how you get, how you get started with 10th planet. Uh, I'm a big fan of the system and I'm always curious because, you know, it's still a relatively small crew in terms of, if you think about the larger picture. So I'm, I'm always curious about the people that have been with it for a while. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would love to talk about that. Uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting story. You know, I, I was under uh, John DeLo for, for many, many years, and uh, I transitioned to MMA. My fighting career never fully took off due to injuries and, you know, to be honest, a lack of athleticism. Those were probably, like, the biggest reasons, but I tried it. It didn't really fit for me, and um, one of the missions that I had was I wanted to see jiu-jitsu succeed in MMA, and uh, I really liked the style of John Chuck Machado using overhooks and underhooks, and and uh, who who better to learn from than Eddie Bravo, no-gi jiu-jitsu catered yep. towards MMA. And uh, I always knew that I, that I like to work with MMA athletes because I'm inspired by their dedication, and, uh, and in, in a weird way, I kind of live through their success uh, vicariously, and, and I, I'm just inspired by by their, you know, fighters like Joe Murphy, Matthew Lopez, Tony Ferguson, Mark Munoz, Kira Batera, you know, plus there's just so many I can't name. These people are what gets me up in the morning, and, and you know, I wanted the best no-gi jiu-jitsu that I can find, and Eddie Bravo fit the bill in every way, and so I made the transfer quite a while ago, and since then I've received a black belt from Eddie, and I'm, I'm extremely honored, and I'm fortunate to represent him. 
which is an accomplishment as the as anyone that's paying attention to the MMA world knows, uh, or especially the jiu-jitsu. And, sir, you went through a lot there of really cool facts. Uh, so can I skip back to when you were talking about training with Tony Ferguson, who's really if if i may like uh is kind of putting 10th planet on a on a different level in terms of when you see his control and how terrified people are to go to the ground with him right now can you kind of comment on his ascension and working with him and uh just know congrats on the black belt from eddie which is always a cool thing i we i actually we knew that obviously but it's uh it's a cool thing man i still feel in in ways that uh i don't I don't fully deserve it. I think that it's an accomplishment that, that I've had in my mind for so many years that it's, it's surreal. You know, I just, I just, uh, I can't even put it into words and, and I hope that, uh, I make him proud. You know, I really do. And I'm going to try my hardest to do so. Casey, can we talk title yeah. shot? Are we at a point now where Tony can get this title shot or what? Here, here's what I know about Tony Ferguson. Uh, there was a time when, when a lot of people were giving me, uh, a lot of props, but when Tony came to me, he was already a Ferrari. Um, <laughs> he didn't come to me as a Volkswagen. He he came when when we started training together and I started coaching his jujitsu. He was already phenomenal. Uh, super humble guy, super respectful guy. Uh, his dedication to his craft and his bravery. Uh, I think I think that's what sets him apart from from a lot of people. Is he takes risks. And in order to achieve real success, you need to be able to take big risk. And, and uh, this man exemplifies that 100%. And uh, I know I'm biased because I have a lot of love for Tony, and he's one of my best friends. I truly believe that anybody at 155 better watch out. And they all know because he's just so unpredictable, so game. And the thing that goes that goes unnoticed about Tony Ferguson, I think, is his power. Yep. He's the only person in Ultimate Fighter history to knock out everybody in the house. Yeah. And his jab feels like a cross, and it, it's absolutely incredible. He's got a 72-inch reach. Uh, uh, he's just got some, some mechanical advantages that other people don't. And I think if he decided ever one day to move up to 170, he will crush it there, too. I think that's the nice part about him. And I mean, just as somebody who's a, a jiu-jitsu guy and practitioner, I look at him and you look at what he's doing and two things. One, you see that he's tested under pressure because, you know, he's had some not easy fights, but he's been persistent. And I think that goes to what it is on the second area, which is composure. I think that's a little bit of what you're talking about, where he's creative when he gets in trouble. And he finds a way. And I think that's that's indicative of somebody that you want to watch fight. Absolutely. Absolutely. He he knows what he knows what the fans want. And there's a fine line between getting into those wars of, you know, mm-hmm. the uh, the mid two thousands and taking unnecessary damage and putting on a good show. Yeah. And so he, he likes to be explosive and when he needs to be and and take people out. You know, he is since I started working with him, uh, I started working with him about six months before UFC 166 when he fought Mike Rio. He's uh, he's seven and zero with six finishes since he broke his arm against Michael Johnson. And uh, I just don't know what he needs to do to get above top five. Anyone up, anyone above him, all due respect to them. I mean, they're in there fighting, and uh, they all deserve respect. But 
I think they all are worried about Tony because uh, he's absolutely amazing. You say it much nicer than we do, so I can appreciate the the tactfulness. But I mean, we'll put it out there. I think he he's in that conversation, Kevin. Wouldn't you say? Well, <laughs> yes, is the obvious answer, and I only say that especially in one fifty five. Uh, I know we're jammed, but feels like a division where he's a fun one. People like watching him fight. His last four fights have been no coincidence. We've been watching so. Plus, oh, I'm hoping for a twister. I'm not. I'm not going to get greedy. I just feel like if anyone had the opportunity to do it in MMA on a big <laughs> stage, I don't even need him to complete it. I can just see it happening in transition. That's that's all I'll need. <laughs> so I'll keep an eye out for that. He has he has a twister that'll change your life. If 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 he ever does get to that position, uh, I I really think that that um yeah, it'd be really bad for somebody. That's, she, he has a twister that will sure. change your life. You well, terrified me. Well, I, I think it's you, uh, degrees here, and I'm still. You just made the uh, the quote of the show there, Casey. That was uh, a terrifying, <laughs> and uh, B. I'm never rolling with Tony Ferguson now. Yeah, so noted. Thank you. It's like, um, uh, you don't roll with Tony Ferguson. He rolls with you, Ralph. <laughs> so he just finds you absolutely. and starts fighting you. That's how that works. Uh, who he's do you actually, have? He's actually he's actually very gracious, and is believe it or not, he's a he's a good. Uh, a good role in the room, like he 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 rolls at the level of his training partners for sure. So oh. he should roll if he have the opportunity. That's uh, that's very nice of you to say. I don't know if he can go as low uh, to my He's level, like, good because luck. we we, we <laughs> want to keep him <laughs> challenge at a accepted level. And I, I mean, no disrespect to him or, or anybody's instruction, but I've never met or felt a gracious twister in my life. But you know what? <laughs> That's just my perception. That's what my level twister. That's what that feels like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, he does. And he, uh, he, well, I would think, and that's, it, it's always reassuring to hear when you hear about someone who looks like a badass on the high level that they're pretty humble in class. It's like, that's always it's like good. Cause I'm just thinking back to a regional Northern Virginia tournament where I saw a certain member of the tough house decked out in all of their UFC gear and then competing in the intermediate, which was sort of funny. <laughs> yeah. I've uh, seen that, too. Yeah, it's always, it's like, ah, really? Who is in the car with you? Uh, I've only trained jiu-jitsu for three months, but you've wrestled since you were four, and you have 25 MMA fights. Okay. <laughs> that is the best. Because <laughs> you look at the poor well, person they're growing up against, and you just go like, oh, shit, they have no idea what's happening. And if they do... Well, it's about to get hectic. Still counts. And I don't know if you know the person I'm talking about, but that was strangely accurate. I, that was a yeah. really good – that was pretty close. Thank you. Uh, no, Casey, we I'll, were – I'll guess off the air. I'll guess off the air. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, Casey, uh, we were we were asking uh, – we were told by our producers, a.k.a. myself, that you – have somebody in the car. Is this, this true? Or do they happen to, like, I don't know, fight MMA or something? Oh yeah, I've got my I've got my good buddy here, Joe Murphy, uh, amazing guy, amazing fighter. Uh, he's he's also working in Kira Patera's corner this week. Who's fighting at Combate Americas on Wednesday night in uh, Hollywood, and uh, so he's here. Yeah, and he's got some big news. Something happened Murphy. this this last. It feels like something big in the jujitsu world mm -hmm. changed. Like I could something feel happened. huge. Uh, Joe, could you maybe uh, elaborate last, last on what Thursday, that was? Last Thursday, uh, 
I uh, received my black belt from Clever Luciano. Woo! So that that was it's still surreal to me. It, like it hasn't set in, but uh, man, I made my mom cry. Unbelievable! Congratulations, <laughs> Professor. Thank and you. what's that? I, I we everyone's going to ask you this, but. As you're entering class and you're kind of going through, did you know you were getting promoted? I didn't. I didn't know. Oh, God. Uh, you had no clue. That seems that seems insane Yeah, there was me. a couple of us close, and we just, we didn't know. We talked about it, but we weren't sure if it was happening. And then uh, when I was sitting there, my parents walked in, and I, I was like, oh, that's weird. My parents are here. <laughs> and then uh, before you knew it, he just promoted me. Well, if I can ask, I mean, these things are always such a long time coming. What is it that you do to celebrate that moment? That moment? Uh, I, I can't train still. I haven't been able to even put it on and train because I'm suffering with a broken toe right now. Mm. But uh, Casey's been in town. I've been hanging out with him, hanging out with all my friends. and uh, I've really just been in the sauna dying, helping cure to cut weight since <laughs> I got my black belt. Uh, so that's how I you know, give or take. I, I know it sucks not to be training, but I do hear when you get that that nice belt that you're talking about there, that you do get a nice target on you. So you know that oh, the yeah. toe injury is kind of you know it's like ooh, that's you should beautiful. really use that <laughs> yeah, for a while. It's, like, uh, it's gonna be a few months. <laughs> to ease into this, just look to see who's in the room and who you know who owes you mat debts is what I like to call. <laughs> that's- well, I'm I'm gonna try to be the first guy to tap him at the flat belt. I mean, I'm I'm not leaving until we roll. <laughs> wow, Jesus, Casey, that's there it. it. Is. There it is. It's I, on. This got uh, into a very uh, much more complicated car ride home for BJJ you guys. BJJ people are the best. They just Absolutely. are. <laughs> well, I, I definitely don't want to spar with Joe. Just. No, no kickboxing, just grappling. Just yeah. Well, let's yeah work on the ground stuff. That's always safe. <laughs> hey, good. can That's we good. can we also talk EBI? We haven't done that yet, and I can't believe we haven't done that. Do yet. It. EBI five. You know, Joe, Joe Murphy's done EBI twice. Yes, he has. Yes, we do know that. We've uh, as I've, I've seen all five. Raf has been to how many have you been to? You've been to I've a been few. To four. You've yep. been to four of them. I was like, you've been to almost all. Uh, big fans, some, some cool notes about EBI five. The aesthetic was perfect this time. They brought back the warm up cage. Love it. That's one of my favorites. I was immediately ecstatic. And two, it was right there above and it just all looked badass on the stream. So the stream at times and when they would do the darkness with the light, it was, it was cool. That's awesome to hear, man. We're, the production value, I believe, is increasing every time. We're just getting a little bit better at handling it. Uh, you know, can I mention a fighter on that that uh, that show that just surprised the hell out of me? Yeah, you please do. do. Uh, yeah, please. Lachlan Giles from Australia. Absolutely. What a stud. That dude, man, he was kind of like, I really didn't know, you know, because I, I handled the matchmaking for the show, and... Uh, that was one of the guys that Eddie threw at me and was like, hey, let's get this guy on. And, uh, you know, my good buddy Frank Barca is from uh, Melbourne, Australia, and that's where Lachlan Giles is from. And I was trying to scout him and get some information. And, boy, did he run roughshod in that tournament, man. <laughs> he did a great job. 
in Casey, what was it? Okay, so you say that Eddie's throwing him at you. What was Eddie's argument for him? I mean, obviously Eddie Bravo knows what he's talking about, but like I, you're I, doing I, the matchmaking. No, what this is, is rap. I'm really curious about this too because I want to know if he's like, hey, he's Australian. Huge bonus, right? Like in addition, I just want to know if there are intangibles. So fantastic question. Yeah, it was it was really honestly it was just for the sound bites for his interview because Perfect. we like the accent. No, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with. Play. Hey, <laughs> nailed it. And for the ladies watching, they didn't mind it either. Congrats, just Kevin. Saying. You've just disqualified yourself from any matchmaking in the future. But go on. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, he just said, "Let's take a chance on this guy." Uh, you know, he's got a solid reputation in Australia, and Australia is a market, believe it or not, that it Eddie's is. been developing along with Frank Barca for years, and. Uh, you know, those Australians good at basketball now, and they're coming along in a lot of other, like, Olympic sports. And uh, Australia is going to be a big player in the jiu-jitsu world, you know, coming soon. And, and uh, Frank Barca and Eddie have put a lot of attention down there. And this Lachlan Giles guy, man, he somehow Eddie got on some tape or something and was like, <laughs> let's just get this guy. I got a feeling about him, you know, and, and that was it. I have to say, this is maybe one of the best parts about EBI is the mix of individuals that you guys get because not only do you give some of the people who are the most notable folks in all of MMA and Jiu-Jitsu uh, an opportunity to display their stuff, but then you pick people who have these promising careers who are just like they're right on the bubble of it. And I, I really appreciate the fact that like if you're one of those athletes, you want that spot. You want that ability to be in a match with Gary Tone and you wanted that ability to shine. Um, was that something that was from the onset kind of by design or how did that part, you know, I mean, obviously you guys know you're doing it, but how did that come to be? Well, you know, in the very beginning I had a, man, they were very lenient with me. Uh, Master Vic and Eddie are the owners of, uh, of EBI. And uh, they basically were like, Hey, this is your job. Handle it. You know, go get it. And and they trusted me. And, and something that I noticed in IBJ, IBJJF tournaments and also big tournaments, uh, they if you get two world champion black belts and you put them in a uh, time submission only format where they end in a draw, it, there's a there's a huge in, incentive when you get paid up front to just end in a draw. Yeah. You know, like if if they put me against Ronnie Yahya, there's no. I mean, a draw is a win for me, you know, if I go against him. But when you make it gangster and you have money on the back end only, and then, and then when, so, so with all that being taken into consideration, when, when I first started doing the matchmaking, do you remember the first couple of episodes, like Scary Carrie was one of my blue belts? Mm -hmm. I, I, I threw him in there. And part of the reason why I put some of the young and up-and-comer guys in is because they had nothing to lose and they were hungry. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Perfect example, Wu-Tang Pete from mm -hmm. Paragon, Purple Belt, uh, ended up tapping out one of our black belts. Yep. And uh, a lot of these guys, you know, I knew that if you get two fantastic black belts against each other, sometimes it's just boring. Yeah. So we needed to we needed to kind of, for the first couple of shows, we needed to let everybody know this is what we're going for. You know, we're going for the, the, the best guys that want to finish fights. They do not want to play and, and they're going to go after it. And so now it's hard to get enough. Like we, we had a all black belts. We had, we had no brown belts, no purple belts in this tournament. 
And then we had about six dropouts due to injury. And then Juan Bernardo was the only brown belt. But I think everybody would agree that Juan Bernardo's well to becoming a black belt. Yeah. And uh, and he stepped up on like zero notice and had to cut twenty pounds and and uh and came in and fought his heart out, man. And and now now the real guys like like uh, Gary Tonin, Eddie Cummings, Lachlan Giles, Stephen Martinez, who's one of my favorite guys anywhere. Yeah. yeah. These guys these guys don't care. They want to win. Yeah. They they want to win by submission, and they're willing to break their legs to do it, man. And it's just impressive. It's amazing. It was, and I'll I didn't know prior to this that you were directly responsible for the matches. Um, that was a, that you were a big part of that. Excuse me. The matches were stellar, and Raph and I kind of talked about this because he was at the event, so I was texting him feverishly on what he could receive or not. Really, the first round was stellar. Uh, there were some really good stylistic changes, and I like that EBI 5, the format for the fighters, evolved a little bit uh, in the sense that they were not just attacking feet, which had been like a, a predominance, in not necessarily in previous ones, but in this 155 pound division. Uh, Gary was there and Gary's attacking other submissions. <laughs> like it's, uh, it was just fun. There was a lot more stand up. My personal favorite match, if I may still though, uh, th- when the Gary, the final pull was beautiful. Uh, I was waiting for him to pull uh, a really good one. And I thought his game plan against, I'm sorry, remind me his name, right? Rafael Domingos Domingos. Yes. I thought Gary's game plan was gorgeous, uh, so that was still I, – I was impressed by the championship, so it's always good when that's your favorite match. Rafael Domingo scares me. Yeah, no that, shit, man. That, he wasn't playing games. He was an animal, man. That, he that he guy got the memo terrifying. there was a check. He the yeah, he heard Casey, about the money. I, Casey, I have to ask you this. Have you ever salsa foot-swept somebody like that because – <laughs> that thing elicited so many oohs and ahs uh, with Denny that even Denny was like, well done. Well, I got to tell you, first of all, I can't dance. <laughs> and uh, so salsa sweeping is impossible for me. And uh, <laughs> athletically, there's no way I'd be able to pull that off. <laughs> it was, it, you know, the but, nice part about him is, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you get back to this, but I just want to say this out there for him publicly, is that he brought a very aggressive style to this game. That I think, you know, with jiu-jitsu, we always get that criticism of like, ah, this is the comparable, you know, it's, uh, you know, they're not doing this or doing this. No, he brought a very aggressive game that made it seem more like a fight. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, you want to know something really funny is the Kim Terra, uh, Rafael Domingos match mm-hmm. was, uh, it was like a tale of yin and yang, two different worlds, yeah, however no you want to say it. Kim Tara was so zen and peaceful, and and uh, yeah, and listening to Kyle corner him was amazing, man. Yeah. And, and now I know why he's a what eleven time world champion or ten time world champion now. Yeah, you know him and him and Hanato are like up there as the best <laughs> ever. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but Kim Kim Tara looked great too. It's unfortunate that he hurt his rib and had to pull out. Did know? we get an update on that? It it appeared to be a rib injury, but this was those times when we didn't. You don't get like an NFL diagnosis because there's not like a surgeon getting back to you 20 minutes later. It's not the way the fight game works yeah, well, at all. You know, to be honest, uh, I had my hands full so much with the event 
we also had we also had to break it down at the end of the event. So I I was really busy and I didn't get to talk to him before he took off. So I I'm not even quite sure what exactly happened. But for me, it looked like looked like cartilage. You know how mm. you just kind of straighten the cartilage and it's just hard to breathe. That's what it looked like. To me. And I guess the one thing for my own personal taste is that when I see somebody injured and kind of on that 50-50 brink of like, am I going to do this match? And then they continue to do it. You know, your heart just goes there because like you said, these guys don't care. They're going for that win. Rafael Domingos was like putting pressure on that spot. And you're just looking at it and you go, yeah, no, that's not, it's not a fun day at the office, guys. My rib hurts. I, no. I'm done, dude. Especially okay. against... <laughs> It's coming at you 148 miles per hour. And it's like, I'm going to put 200 pounds of crazy pressure on your chest. Uh, not a good time for Absolutely. a rib There's levels to this thing, man. And, and you know, these these guys are such gamers that, uh, oh, sorry, guys. Did you get pulled okay. over? These guys are, oh. <laughs> sorry, no, I, just got, I had a phone call coming through. I'm sorry. Oh, you're fine. You're yeah, these guys are such gamers that, you know, like Tony Ferguson fought a whole fight with Michael Johnson with a broken arm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, most of the humans on the planet, we, we find a reason to say no. And guys like Kim Tara, Rafael Domingos, Denny Prokopos, they find one reason to say yes and go with it, you know? And I, and I literally saw Kim Tara sitting there in so much pain that he, that he kind of was like, hold on, hold on. And then he thought about it, and he looked around and was like, "You know what? I'm not going out like this. I'm yeah. going to try to finish." Yeah. And it, it was amazing. Man. And I'm I mean, happy that, I got to. Absolutely, I had such high respect for it. I was just looking at him, and you could see him blocking the rib and not even like necessarily defending himself anymore, which puts you in the worst possible position. Uh, but, you know, I mean, props to him. I just wouldn't do it. I'd just be like, well, this has been fun, guys. Same but. with the arm break, by the way. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, uh, uh, I tap. I'm, but, uh, Casey, one thing I wanted to ask you, and I didn't know exactly what this was, but there were some trials going into EBI 5. Was that, like, what? how exactly does that work? Because I don't think people know that. Like, what was that about? Okay, so... uh Basically, you know, we try to get two 10th planet black belts every time for every division. And, uh, you know, it's our event. We try to showcase our fighters. And, and uh, so one of the things that Eddie Bravo's done is, is he does a, we do a tournament, and it's an EVI qualifier, and uh, purple belts and up, and it's exactly the same as EVI rules. It's 16 young guns that maybe some... Some of them may be known about, but most of them are like the, the newer kids that are coming up, mm. and uh, they go wild. And then if you, whoever wins, um, I think one, Kevin Burbage won it the first time we did it and actually got an invite in. And then this time, since we had Denny and uh, Nathan in it as cornerstones, we decided to make Chai, who won... Uh, who won the qualifier? He was just if one of those guys got hurt, he was going to jump in. Okay, okay, that's yeah, good to know. So, I I didn't know exactly what that was. I mean, I know that you guys put up the video later, uh, and I, I watch parts of those. But I'm always curious to those people who may not see that who are just kind of order the pay per view. I think that's a really cool and unique thing that you guys do. Again, kind of giving back to the community and trying to involve more people who can use that spotlight and who, if you are an athlete, like I said, you want to be on this card. 
absolutely. You know, can I? I want to circle back real quick, if yeah. you don't mind. Um, one of one of the things that that I think is different about EDI, and the reason it's very important to stay grassroots and develop the talent and do qualifiers and stay sub only and support the movement, is because you can go to IBJJF to the world, right? And no knock on them. My school performs very well at IBJJF, and we, you know, Costa Mesa. We, we emphasize that, actually, and we're going to bring force next year. But when you look into the stands at IBJJS, it's jiu-jitsu nerds, teammates, yeah. parents, and that's all you see. And half the people are just politicking and not even watching. And, and uh, EBI is catered for the fans. It's one of the only events that's not catered for the 1%. You know, we're trying to get eyes on jiu-jitsu that wouldn't normally be on jiu-jitsu. And and that's why that's why we keep it fast paced. There's no downtime. It's match after match after match after match, and uh, you know I think that making a jujitsu venue for fans, just the the the, the common fans, I think it's great for the sport. And 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 I actually think that this movement, this sub only movement, is going to be one of the most radical changes in jujitsu. Uh, to happen since the beginning, because you're gonna you're gonna see a whole new spinoff, a whole new group of people trying to get involved because it's just so gangster, and it, and it really if you if you want to prove yourself, you know, reach out to me. My name's Casey Halstead. Hit me up on Facebook, message me with uh, with some of your stats. You know, follow me on Twitter, Casey at uh, Coach Casey and uh, Coach Casey, and and you know, hey, I'll take a chance on you. Like if 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 you're a black belt and you you want to win by submission. I'll put you on 100%. Casey, I want you to 100% continue using the phrase gangsta in every possible form when talking about EBI because I don't know of any other tournament in this business that refers to themselves in that way. Well, it is, right? I mean, absolutely you, is. You, you only get paid if you win by submission within regulation. If you win in overtime, you get nothing. Yeah. And then you only get paid if you win the whole thing. Yep. And you you get zero show money. You yeah. got to fly yourself out. You got to put it all on the line and that brings out Danny Tocopos. Yep. You know, Steven Martinez, Ross, Rafael Domingos, you know, these guys. They come out because they're gangsters. And and believe me, I've rolled with most of them and it's not fun. I don't. I, I completely know what you're saying. And I want to ask you this, too, because, again, with the matchmaking, you know, uh, Gary Tonin is a great example of you can do that. You can make that 20,000 K. And I don't know too many jujitsu tournaments or areas where you make 20 K. So I'm just putting that out there. Uh, maybe that's why they show up. Maybe there's why that extra incentive. But referring back to your idea of you doing the matchmaking. How much are you getting people a asking you to be like, hey man, Casey, can you can you not put me with Gary Tonin first round? That'd be rad. <laughs> and second, uh, for Gary in particular, it was indicative of his first round, and it would have been Eddie and Steven Martinez, but Gary and Steven Martinez would highlight, I would say, ninety percent of jujitsu shows as a headliner. Uh, yes. And if we would have put Gary Tonin on the other side of the bracket, who knows? I mean, Steven Martinez can take 
anyone in that bracket out. And, uh, you know, you, you just never know. You never yeah. know. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, you know, the, the actual matchmaking is easy now. It's easy. Eddie, Eddie gets hit up a lot, and he throws a lot of guys my way. Before, you know, no one knew about what we were doing. No one, no, you hadn't seen it before. No one knew the rules, and people were scared of it. And that's why we were putting a lot of, like, younger kids in there. Uh, blue belts, a couple blue belts. Uh, Red Alarcon from, uh, from Team Oyama. That, that kid is, watch, listen for that name. He's going to be amazing. And, uh, you know, now, now it's different. Now people are calling us. And they're like, hey, I want to do it. I'm all over the place. So it's easy now. <laughs> and but yeah, there are people that, there are people that a couple of times like, hey, who's my first matchup? And I'm like, man, you got to wait till they get released. You know, we, <laughs> we can't, we can't do, you know, we have to stay above reproach. And if you look at it, like the 10th planet guys are not, you know, everyone's getting tough first round matchups. You know, yeah. it's a, it's all, it's all no, Nathan it's, Orchard guy. It's not an easy place to round. go. Yeah, I know. No Nathan Orchard's a killer. It, well, yep. it's one of those tournaments too where it's not a, it's not a necessarily a shot at you if you get submitted just because of the format. And that's what I like about the culture that's right. It's like, no, we'd rather you went for it. And you see that with like, um, <laughs> with quite a few of them, which leads us to what's headed down the road for EBI six. And I'm stoked about this as was everyone when the announcement came out, it's an absolute tournament in Mexico, $50,000. Same rules. Yep. Same rules. The only difference is there's no weight classes, which, uh, what is that? I don't even know what that means. And I've been thinking about it. For a little while, it's like I want to see Christian Woodmansey take on Jeff Munson in the first round. <laughs> That's going to be the way. It's going to be how I judge it. It's like Hoffa Mendez yeah, is fighting you know Dean what? Lister. Is anybody? Is anyone paying attention? You know, Christian would do that too. Absolutely, oh, in a heartbeat. Christian's like, yeah, let's do it. I can take that guy. He's got a yeah, foot. Without, he would do that right this second. For fun, <laughs> he wouldn't even. Yeah, it wouldn't even be a tournament thing. setting. He'd be like, can we get a picture just for after? Well, yeah, tell us a little bit about why, I mean, what's this go into? How many fighters? What's the pool? How are you uh, building this absolute crew? Uh, well, uh, the, the, the absolute crew is probably going to be all black belts for sure. Okay. Uh, and I, I, some, I don't want to release any of the names yet just because I want to finalize them and and uh, still let some things pan out. You know, in the really early stages of the matchmaking, you don't want to book too many fights because what if G or Hoffa say they want to do it? You know, I would love to keep a spot open for them. No, that makes perfect sense. So I guess my my question is more, are you approaching it in the same way you would with, say, this 155-pounder? Like you're going to find that type of pool of talent that comes to you and just sort of build it the same way? Yeah, I think I think we're gonna, we're going after uh, a lot of big name guys for sure to kind of anchor the corners and and to kind of help us like sell the sell the pay per views and and then uh, I I love to throw some dark horses in there some guys that I know that really have not burst out on the scene yet that I know are going to go for broke and uh, I think that you know when the first match comes out fire. Everybody sees what they got to do, and mm-hmm. and I, and I think that, that uh, in, in my mind's eye, 
I got a, a guy, an old school guy. He knows what I'm talking. He knows, he'll know who I'm talking about right now. He's in <laughs> South County. He's a black belt. He's old school. He's a surfer. Um, <laughs> and he's, he's, he's amazing. And I cannot, I was really surprised when he came to me at EBI five and said, Hey, I want to do this. And I was like, you're in 100% in. <laughs> and he's, he's not a big dude either. And, and he's going to blow some people away. I'm seriously sitting here trying to sleuth my way through it, Casey. So I'm, it's going uh, to be I'm all just taking my, uh, for 48 hours. my Hardy Boys notes, putting on my best detective <laughs> face a little bit later. You, you, when, 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 the, when the car drops, you'll know exactly oh, what yeah, I'm talking yeah. about. 100%. That's amazing. You know, uh, you know, Casey, we just have to say uh, we were so impressed by EBI five you guys do set a nice bar for it i I think you're right i think that was one of the things i noticed the first time i went to ebi uh two was the minute somebody drops out in that first match the minute they get out there and you see that those two first guys want to put on a show it sets the tone and everybody wants to live up to that and i think that's uh, a true uh, credit to you guys and uh what you guys are putting on so our, our compliments to you guys and uh, Kevin and I both enjoyed it from do- two different areas. One is a spectator there covering it, and one is a spectator from home. Awesome, man. That's so great. That's what we love to hear. And, you know, honestly, we are open to uh, if you guys have any suggestions, we could talk offline. And, uh, you know, we really respect your opinion. And, uh, you know, if you see anything that we can do better, you know, please share it with me. And, and uh, we take notes and, and we try to adjust. This is a this is a work in progress. We're not done. We will continue to get better. Uh, the production is going to continue to improve. The persons are going to continue to increase. The matchups are going to continue to be better. The one thing that's going to stay the same, 100%, is it will continue to be grassroots. Mm. We will continue to do EBI qualifiers. We will continue to support the up-and-coming fighters. And, uh, you know, it would be... It would be really cool if we can do a bunch of sub-only tournaments all over the country, all over the world, where maybe the winners got an automatic buy in, an <laughs> automatic bid. Yeah, and you know, and then we can we can really force this movement of submission only, in, and I think it will help jujitsu get better. You know, playing playing for real instead of for points, I think is an awesome thing. For real, and Casey, you know, I know you said this to tell you off air, but. I have one suggestion I have to put on air because, uh, one, I need your response to be recorded. But um, let me go ahead and throw this, uh, this suggestion out there for you, okay? Okay. Okay, my suggestion for you, since you keep throwing around the word gangster, I want you to be in an old-school 1930s pinstripe suit with a top hat, and that's how you end up paying – the guys, because there ain't nothing more gangster than that. And if you have a Tommy gun, that's optional. That's you. I, I can't tell you how to do you. But that's how people go to get their payment is they got to come to you chomping on a big cigar. So that's just me. I think that works for TV. I've only worked in TV. I don't know. But it's, it's cool. It's you. Okay. Well, I'll bring that up to Master Eddie. Please do. And uh, Master Vic and see what they say. Absolutely. I think it's important that you go in costume because I don't think they'll get the full feel of it if you just kind of phone it in. So That's a great that's, note. That's thank a great, you. the costume part. <laughs> well, we really cannot tell you how much we appreciate you swinging by the podcast this evening. 
Mr. Olson, you the EBI five was fantastic. We always support you opening up more schools because Raf has been talking about it, and I've been to at least a tenth planet. Went to tenth planet Costa Mesa when we were out there. Uh, Raf took me out there for a seminar, a ton of fun, and I'm always bothering him to take me to more tenth planet places. So, and whenever I bother him, he takes me there. <laughs> well, you're welcome. My house is your house. Yeah. To all your listeners out there, please take advantage. You know, we have uh, no politics, open doors. You guys are all welcome to come on in, and uh, we would love to have you. Casey's so good cool. people, man. Verbal Tap fans, Casey Alston. Thank you. Thank you very much. Can I give a shout-out before we go? Absolutely. Can, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there, if, you, if any of your listeners are into uh, kickboxing, I would highly suggest they look up Tyler Wombles. He just opened up his own academy called Classic Fight Team. It is also in Costa Mesa, near 10th Planet, Costa Mesa, the same center, same side. Uh, you can get you can get your grappling and your kickboxing all in one spot now. Two different buildings, but same side. And uh, he's amazing, and, and I just want to give him some love because uh, he's been doing a lot, a lot of good work. Hey, can I ask you this, Casey? I know you were just dropping that in, but I saw a photo of it. And you guys just opened that, like, what, a couple weeks ago or something like that? Last week, yep. Yep, okay. First of all, you're crazy for doing nine trillion things since then. But second of all, I saw a photo. How many people were in that photo who showed up in that first week? Uh, well, I think we signed up 50 people in Jesus the first week. Christ. Yeah, yeah. So wow. it's it's. It seems like it's going to be a good investment. That's a fantastic opportunity. And I mean, you know, we always worry about new programs going up. And there's a reason why you've got those uh, three, soon to be four uh, gyms. But that that's truly impressive, man. So truly uh, happy for your success. And obviously, if you got that many people going there, people listening to this, if you are interested and you are in the Costa Mesa area, you definitely want to make it on out there. They're good people. They're nice. And uh, they'll walk you through it. And according to Casey... You'll get a pretty good workout for kickboxing. Absolutely. 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 <laughs> Best open mat in Orange County, 10th Planet Costa Mesa, on Sunday from 1030 to 12. It is the best. Right, Joe Murphy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Joe Murphy's just looking at you, Casey. He's figuring out how he's going to attack you once we get off the fine. So. Yeah, he's, he's been we, waiting we got <laughs> 44 minutes to reach over and choke. Well, Casey... Uh, uh, you and Joe, we cannot thank you enough. Um, you guys have a safe trip, and we will talk to you again, sir. Well, look, guys, I'm not happy. Uh, I didn't get to watch any of the fights. It That's was a very busy weekend, crushing. and uh, there were three <laughs> days of fights. And, How Have uh, you been able to avoid anything? Probably not. I, you know, Kev, I just when I when I really give in to the beast that is not seeing a fight or three days worth of fights, as was my case last week, I just I say, OK, I'm just going to look at the Instagram and I'm going to hope that somebody's out there who feels my plight and will record their TV. And Kev, I got to tell you, it didn't work out so bad. <laughs> That's I, I believe that. That's good. You're resourceful. You can find stuff. So the important thing is we obviously have business to get to right up top. So why don't we go ahead and bring back on our good friend. Well, my good friend, yours. I, I don't say, really know what you're your good is. friend. I find him very charming and I bet he throws one hell of a house party. 
He does. Uh, you may know him from last week's podcast. You may also know him as my announcer or as he likes to call himself, my sidekick on my talk show early late night. But, uh, you know, everybody knows him. Everybody loves him. Mr. Austin Stack. Austin, how are you doing, man? Hey, everybody. I'm doing pretty, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> I'm doing pretty good this week. So, Austin, is this the first UFC that you have purchased? Because I know you've seen them, but have you purchased other UFCs before? First one I ever purchased. And you know what? It was well worth every penny. And like I said last week, I would have spent double. <laughs> Still, we got to work on that because the more you say that, the no, more they're going to jack that's up. Not the how they, they will charge you double. For they will like, say, "Yeah, oh, okay." I, I, I know, I know, but you guys, are, you guys are missing the point that I know that that's the whole thing. But I want to be friends with Dana White. Oh, we can have uh, the Boston connection, geez. and I can get freebies from here on out. Yeah, you guys can talk about pass interference calls every Monday. <laughs> <It'll> be fun. <laughs> but um, Raph, I did hear that nice intro, and thanks and. I'm sorry you didn't get to see it, but I want to let you know that I do have the main event um, fully recorded on my phone because it was <laughs> so quick. It was so quick. I have it still saved on my phone. It's not taking up much storage. It's really quick. I can send you that video anytime. I've watched it probably a million times. Uh, you know, the interesting thing is, Austin, and you bring up a good point here, which was uh, I was at the dinner specifically when we got to the main card. And I told people, you know, because people say it's rude to look at your phone and I, I'm a multitasker, so half the time I'm, like, looking down. I'll be sending out tweets or doing some kind of work, and then I'll, like, you know, listen to people. Um, but I'm also looking for topics to talk about and stuff like that. So I don't really subscribe to the, like, it's super rude kind of thing. But I told people right up front when we went to dinner, I was like, listen, none of you are going to judge me. I am giving up a fight. In fact – maybe the biggest fight of the year. So I'm going to be looking at my phone. If you'd like to talk to me, no, I am listening to you, but don't you goddamn call this rude. And uh, as I looked on the Instagram, I got to say, Conor McGregor kind of threw me a solid. And uh, I mean, he did it before he he, he sideswiped Jose Aldo's bum rush in. But Kev, I got to ask you this right up front. Uh, Jose Aldo. Have you seen him ever rush in punching like that to the point where he just kind of, I don't know, it's like a a bull chasing the wool and there's kind of a Toro kind of moment to it. Was that your impression of what he was doing there? I even, yes, is the short answer to your question. I even want to go one step further. I've never seen him not face an opponent. That was weird to me. Do you, did you guys, so, and Austin watched it. He came into the cage and that's usually... We've talked to Austin to give you some context. We've talked to Bruce Buffer. We've talked to a few people that are work in the cage, and they always tell us the body language tells them everything. Uh, Buffer said he would make a killing if he could walk out of the cage and bet on fighters because he can smell it. It looked like Aldo was a little spazzed. It just did, and it looked like yeah. it when he walked up. It looked like it when he wouldn't face him, and it looked like McGregor had this glint in his eye. That was just okay. Well, I won. He won't even face me. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you, and I have to say that I know close to nothing. But I've been talking to people that know absolutely less than me, and they said the same thing. That was the one takeaway from like the non UFC fans that have watched this and talked to me. They said, you know, that kind of was weird. How that other guy just kind of already looked like he was out, and McGregor just kind of had this thing about him that it was just like, you know. And then, of course, my favorite—they didn't mention this—but my favorite was when he did the walkout. And he did the, the most electric, beautiful, psychotic smile you can see that he was doing right into the camera. 
I went, oh my god, this guy he, he, McGregor's got it tonight. He was so crazy. He was doing a good strut, ref. You would have enjoyed his uh, his pre cage, uh, his pre fight strut because because <laughs> that's the thing about a fight that lasts thirteen seconds. We must have waited thirty goddamn minutes for them to get to the cage yeah, sure. with all and, the and no Sinead, no Sinead, no Sinead, no a Sinead. huge Sinead. bummer. Sinead, that... Just Sinead on me. The Sinead on the, uh, the, you know, the airwaves there, but it was not her in person. <laughs> no, no, they cut the live Sinead, which I thought was <laughs> devastating. You mean she wasn't just on uh, on top of a random uh, podium in the middle of the <laughs> no, fucking stadium? No, no, no. I think the hard part for me is, uh, whereas you guys get a show and a spectacle, I get 15-second increments. So they were putting those posts <laughs> up, and I'm like, I'm not even wasting my time. Just get to the fucking fight. Wow. And I think the reason yeah. why it was like that is because, you know, Kev knows this as a producer. Uh, I'm fairly good with time management in terms of like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why is it 945 and we haven't seen a goddamn thing? Let's, uh, what let's the shit the is happening? Off here, show Aldo. is normally supposed to be done by 10 guys. What the fuck? Let's get this moving. East Coast time. You're losing them. So uh, I guess my thing to you is, Austin, that must have been torturous because for you, as a person who's both lived on the East Coast, knows that time zone, can sympathize with. Oh, yeah. And then at the same point for yourself, a person who's really excited for particularly this fight, you're being told to wait even longer. Yeah, that was tough. But at the same time, you have to remember that I did have people over and – um, having a party going on at the same time with uh, a lot of people that don't even watch this game, don't, they don't watch fights or anything, uh, it gave me an extra buffer zone to do my own. Oh, here's here's when they're starting. Here comes the, they're gonna he's gonna walk out soon. Now everyone shut up and sit down. Watch me do my own version of the, his walkout, and then let him do his thing. And we I got to make it a whole spectacle. I'm so, so sad. The timing did help me out. <laughs> Like, I'm so sad. I, you know, I wouldn't have given anything to have been there, Austin. Uh, but I, I just felt I know. the nice part for me was I, even though I couldn't be there with you, I was there in spirit because I was, I was sitting at the dinner table looking at my phone going, Austin just has to be so happy right now. That's okay. He's, oh, he's, he's living it. He's good. But Austin, as you're explaining this to your guests – and you yourself are getting excited. At any point here, are you nervous? Because I know you have faith in in your good friend Conor McGregor, but this is a sport where anything can happen. I, well, I, I always had faith, and I, I, I obviously was nervous in the fact that I didn't. There's obviously a, a chance that he's not gonna come through and what the hell does that is that all going to mean and what that is does that does that entail for his career and i all those things kind of but then i'm telling you raf it was it was not a matter of that it was so i was i didn't think it would be so quick but i wasn't surprised when it happened and i was just kind of like i you know i hate to say it i kind of had one of those like yeah i was right <laughs> and that was it <laughs> and it, was, it was, but it was, so, it was so much faster. It was so much faster than I could have ever expected. But like I'm saying to you, it's, it was one of the things where, yeah, I think I would have been more nervous, though, to be honest with you, if he came out with even a little bit of of the same kind of aura that Kevin was talking about that that Jose came out with. Because I'm telling you, McGregor looked like he was in there just to have fun, and, and he just had that psycho look in his face. And I said, "Oh, this is going to be awesome." This is an and important. I thought it was going to be a long, good fight. I thought I was going to see a lot of good stuff. You know what I mean? 
I, I do know what you mean, and this is important. Jose Aldo is normally Mr. Composure, is the is kind of the point. Like I know he does have this sort of like crazy athleticism that bursts, but before he goes into the cage, he normally looks like he looks at you like he's about to murder you. That's normally what he does. Just kind of standing right. there like your legs are not gonna last. I feel very sorry for them. Yep. Um and I'm gonna beat you up. And he didn't have it. He didn't. He looked like the and is this eight months of really good shit talking or is Conor McGregor, maybe it's a factor of both that much, a better fighter. I do wish we had gotten to see a few more minutes. So maybe I feel like I have a better answer to that question. Cause you know, 13 Correct. seconds, put him down hard. Yeah. Yeah. Like it wasn't, it wasn't no, one of I those hits right. where it was like, are they going to keep going? He hit him and it was like <laughs> face plant down Hammer fist, awesome. Hammer fist and, again, yeah, maybe, awesome. Fight maybe over. You're, you're forgetting something here, which is also Connor took the brunt of the punch that Jose was throwing. Oh, God, that was crazy. That's so right. Connor's running around with his hands up, not running, I mean, you know, doing his circle. And all of a sudden, you see a little trickle of blood come from his eye. And it's like, did he hit himself on the cage when he was jumping up? Like, because they didn't reshow. Oh, God. Thanks. Hey, by the way, UFC, go. Oh, show us the replay, please. Immediately, don't take twenty minutes. They must have taken eight minutes before they showed us the knockout punch, which didn't take long because it was only a three-second clip. So he does that, and all of a sudden, they have to. They show us about like probably a minute after it happens. So it's not until then that we see it. And great MMA clip in slow mo as yeah, he and, and as I'll, he I'll connects. Tell you with that, sorry, it's hard to cut you off. But while we're no, talking about it, before I forget. The thing, the thing that was really crazy to me about that was that, like the announcer said, you could see that you could see his brain shut off after it went yeah. through, and it reminded it reminded me of when you get like a receiver or a hockey player that gets knocked out and they kind of just fall slowly forward. You know what I mean? And their hands don't even really try to brace their fall. Yeah. But at the same time, you got to give Jose credit because he still falls through that damn punch. He hit him <laughs> in the face, <laughs> unconscious. Because <laughs> here's the other thing. Okay. No, there's some fallout from all of this. Austin, did you get to see any of uh, Conor McGregor's? He basically pulled a Dana White where he walked out and he gave the numbers for the gate and uh, told people that it was the biggest selling MMA uh, gate in all of history. Uh, did you watch any of that? Yes. I watched some of it. I saw him give his own press conference. Yes. I saw him talk about how he made the prediction beforehand. But, um, yeah, I, I, I caught a lot of it, but I was kind of – I didn't get to really focus on it. Like I said, I didn't get to watch sure. the replay like I expected to the next day. Well, yeah, definitely. So he, he basically uh, later on showed up full suit and tie, holds his own press conference <laughs> just by himself, Kevin. I, and, I uh, did see this, and I love it. Like wins, yeah, predicts the <laughs> knockout multiple times, and then holds his own press conference. It was the first time in this whole thing where I was like, okay, that's impressive. Like, yeah. that was, his fighting skills have always impressed me. It's just Absolutely. his shit-talking skills have always been like, yeah, I think he's good, but in the fight world, that makes him Ali for MMA. Sure. But I think the I, hard part is now. Th that that was the first time I was impressed. Well, now we have to talk about a very important thing because, Kev, what weight class is he fighting at right now? Well, this is interesting. He's fighting at 145 right now. Okay. But apparently Dana was making it very clear that if he's going to go up to 145, that he would have to give up the belt. And Conor McGregor's like, nah. <laughs> nah. You, you, you like, take it from me. It's cool. Yeah, he feels you, a little different. 
yeah. which I'm sure is going to uh, provoke some nice conversations between the two. Uh, so at first we heard he was going to fight both and he was going to do one and then another. Then maybe a conflicting report from his coach that said in Austin, I don't know if you read this, his hand may make him out for six months. Six months. Did you see this, Austin? Might make it what? I didn't hear you. He might have been injured and he might be out for six months. And his hand. What they're saying right now is that he can't get that the Nevada State Commission, because of the injury, he's out for six months. Oh, wow. I did not see that. But uh, what, what was it the hand that wrecked Jose's face, or what was it? Which begs the question, and I guess maybe you're getting to the question before I can, which is, when did he injure it? Was it the one punch right. he threw? Or was it when he was trying to climb? He was headed to that third strip club in Vegas. Well, it was Sunday morning, technically, oh. and slammed his oh, hand really? in a limo it door. It <laughs> it's hard to yeah, remember. Maybe. Uh, okay, so that's I my. I hope si- that's correct. I-, I am too. It's a report. I don't know. Maybe by the time this comes out, things will change. My now a question over to Kevin. Kevin, did you see? Well, you sent me a note about this particular thing about the background. Camera, yeah. yeah. What was the note you sent me? So the two, um, they there are two camera issues. One, there's the belt throwdown that we also haven't gotten to yet. Um, the UFC, the guy who's the one that holds the belt. Damn it! So it's Frank. Thank Frank, you, uh, Fertitta. He is the co-owner. Uh, he's like less seen than Lorenzo and Dana. Well, he's a little uh, seen Lorenzo, today. His brother. He's uh, made his cameo in the viral MMA world. And Austin, I don't know if you saw this, the person Raph just mentioned, Frank, slams the belt down really hard right as Jose's face hits the mat, pretty much. There's been I no... didn't see that. Yeah. Well, it was we'll some detective MMA nerdiness. Yes, we'll send it to you a little bit later. But it definitely caught our fancy because we were looking at it and we just go, oh, I guess he had a favorite. Or, Kev, I'll pose this to you. Do you think he was just mad the fight didn't go longer than 13? Oh, that's, it's funny that you – that's just, totally what I thought it was. I thought he was just like, oh, god what? damn it, Connor. What did I say? Yeah. I yeah. said two rounds. I would go that, I would go that route. I would, I would go that route or I would say that he was just shocked. Like, did you see – uh, Aldo's corner guy, the uh, guy that uh, the coach or whatever, he looked like he saw someone like, like I read it on the blog and I couldn't tell him. He's like, he just looked like he just saw his whole family die in a car crash. Oh like, yeah, no, dude, it, <laughs> he looked like. I mean, first of all, I call him uh, future meme because that's what's happening here. Yeah, you I, do I got have that a footage for that. The second you can, I saw it, you can tell when a meme's going. Yeah, yeah. You do have mm-hmm. a sixth sense for them. And I was just like, oh, I don't even know what I'm using you for, but you're going to be a meme soon. You don't even know it. I didn't even see this fight, but I love your fucking face. So that's number one. Number two is the fact that even as he's reacting, there's multiple people that they show in the background of that shot. So you see the coach but then you see in the background uh, TJ Dillashaw stand up like, oh, you see right behind him, Mighty Mouse Demetrius Johnson being like, oh, shit. <laughs> you see like a whole bunch. And I love that they like zoomed in on each person. You see like Bruce Buffer, the whole kit and caboodle. But the one for Frank is so particularly unique in that like he slams it down. And I've ne- like I don't think you've ever really seen too many photos of him. You always see Lorenzo and Dana. But the one photo you see of this guy is him slamming down that belt. 
So that brings us to the Oh, you're 100 percent getting. To me, this is like slamming down the two million dollar bra. It's like, why would you throw the champion? That fucking belt's about to get strapped around a millionaire's waist. That's very important to your business. Maybe you don't want to scratch it on your iPad or whatever. So that's so. uh, Imagine if he if he busted the jewels or something like in uh, Raging Bull. <laughs> let's be let's be very honest. Uh, it's the UFC. They're they're not jewels. They're really like knockoff rubies that they're putting in there. Oh. If anything, because uh, they don't pay their fighters anyway. Kev, <laughs> what's the second video? Because I don't know that Austin saw this, and maybe you did. I don't know. Yeah, the UFC has released some footage that's a little weird. It's the aftermath in his in in his locker room. So they show Jose Aldo's response. Now, the reason oh, I well, say... I, I saw it, I saw it up there, Kevin. Sorry to interrupt you. I just want to tell you, it. I saw it up there, but it was taken down when I tried to look at it. Of I couldn't watch it. Was. Oh, yeah. They have gotten on... Well, they've so decided me. to respect the privacy 48 hours after. Yeah. <laughs> so quick response. Yeah, they're very they're very respectful about privacy. If yes, as long the, as you give it forty eight hours for everyone to record it, see for it, for the reproduce ten people it. who didn't see this, because most of you, I'm sure, are educated, know what Kevin's talking about. But let's explain it a little bit more in, uh, in depth. Jose Aldo is uh, going back to his locker room, so it's a top camera and angle, that's what it like looks a security like. cam. It looks angle. like a Walmart cam. Yeah, so it, you just see him, and you see him go to the very top corner of a mat in the room, and he just is staring at the wall and starting to cry. And his whole team's coming over to console him. It's a private moment. And granted, we see some of these moments in like the UFC embedded, and especially uh, before you know like what it takes will, to be a champion, yeah. and so the the agony of the defeat is a series they do on UFC. So we, it's not unusual to see some footage, but I can't recall. The last time I've seen a live feed of a fighter who got beat that badly. And keep in mind, Ronda wasn't too far back about a month and a half ago. They definitely did not show a losing camera footage Didn't of their cash DC count there. When he lost to John Jones. No, no, never would. Never. No, 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 no. They were not about to uh-huh. do that. But here's the most important part of this. So Jose Aldo, it sucks that they're filming him, but for whatever reason, my brain's kind of like, you know, I kind of accept that because that's part of the UFC. I'm sure they signed some sort of waiver that says, you know, your footage belongs to us. Shut up. Until you see Dana and Lorenzo into the room and then that camera goes up faster than anything you've ever seen in your life. That camera literally goes, nope. And just looks at the ceiling up above. It's like Dana and Lorenzo into the room. Now we're going to respect some privacy. Wow. So, my question to you, Austin, just learning that, uh, what is your response to that? Because we'll send you that footage, too. But just just hearing it that way, and maybe I'm describing it wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's pretty factual. Yeah, this is like showing Tom Brady seconds after he finds out Goodell's trying to suspend him. You know, like, would you, you you understand as a sports fan. Uh, yeah, thank you, Kevin, for that. But I, I do understand. Yeah, and I, what just, I, would I want to use a good comparison. That, uh, <laughs> what I, what I, my first initial reaction to what you guys just said is that what that means to me is whoever the kid was that's operating that camera is like, holy shit, I'm going to get some good viral footage here. This is crazy. This is a look that people don't ever see. Oh, shit, here comes the boss. It's okay. And then he puts it away. <laughs> and I just love that the UFC's like, either it's the shrewdest move of like, let him see it. Let him see it. That fucker's dropped out of five fights. There were championship fights. Fuck him. 
Yeah, you lose. Oh, Dana's there. Uh, uh, <laughs> hey, the bo- hey, Raph, I don't care what it is. The, your boss is your boss, dude. You're going to just be <laughs> They didn't know that the boss was going to be walking in at that second. So then when that happened, up show's over. Don't get me wrong. I still understand. But as a person who's sitting here watching this footage, I look at it and I just go, oh, shit. That shit just got shady. So anyway, that's uh, some interesting information. The, are you saying you, you think you think the fix is in? <laughs> no, because Austin brings up a good point, and I really want to put this back over to Kevin. Was that fight fixed? No. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Was it? I don't. I you know I don't fall on this. I don't think any fights are fixed in the UFC. Bellator. Sure. I don't think I don't. I I don't think so. Just because of the fact that you know that he'd have to be the best actor alive to be able to fake that. That was I mean, a pretty convincing was, fall. That, that was very convincing. That was that, like that was real time, and at the same time, on top of it too, is I don't think for a second, for everything that I've learned about this guy Jose Aldo, I don't think for a second that he'd want to take part of that, especially after the way McGregor's been talking to him. Well, and time I, out. I know that the, you know you might have you might well you might have to take. I know I know that I know like you might have to do what you're supposed to do, but at the same time, at least give him another round. <laughs> like, yeah, no lie. Why would it be that quick? Yeah, we need to. We'd also need to give him an Academy Award nomination for the after video. Yes. Like his emotional yeah. outburst was stunning. If it was fabricated, I believe he's, it. Uh, he's going to come out of nowhere and beat Leo DiCaprio <laughs> in this year's Oscar race, guys. And those of you whining and complaining that Leo doesn't have an Oscar, your Facebook group will yet go another day. Being disappointed. Yeah, and little do you know, mm. and little do you know that coming out soon, the movie The Revenant, the guy that helps Leo track down the killers of his son, is Jose Alto. <laughs> 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 it's a twist that most people won't see coming, but you know when you realize it, it'll be motivated. The thing about this is, guys, is that as I'm, I'm looking at all this stuff, and I mean Austin saying "No way, Jose" to a six. <laughs> Damn it, that's my joke. And I love the fact, though, that that's the the headline I saw. And, of course, Kev, I believe everything that is Illuminati conspiracies. Because if there's one person who just <laughs> says, please give me more Illuminati conspiracies, I'm pretty sure the way that I saw Jose Aldo fall was in the shape of a triangle. So you tell me that's fake. And speaking of fake, Chris Weidman's uh, performance when he took a dive in that third and fourth round was... So, okay, let's transition because there were other fights. Austin had a really nice thing to say about Luke Rockhold. Yes, he did. Austin, what was your rationale for going for Luke Rockhold? Well, it was, um, do you want the truth or do you want me to sound like I know what I was talking about now? No, I I have it written down. I know exactly what you said. The truth truth was because Star Wars is coming up. (laughs) Proved to be a very sound version of analysis, I guess, in retrospect, because Austin was right and Kevin ended up picking up the person who lost. But to Kevin's credit, Chris Reidman was on a major streak, just didn't really look – what's the word? Was it good ever (laughs) or – Comprehensibly black belt-ish? There was some moments. Now, Rockhold looked great. Would you ever – throw a spinning back fist like that 
It, well, I did. First of all, let's let me do this and say, Austin, if you had parlayed Aldo and Weidman, you'd be a rich man because I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. That was nice on your part. Yeah, I know. Weidman, I know. I wish I did. Weidman looked not cage ready is what I would say. And here's the the testament that at the third round when Rockhold was delivering those blows and Rockhold is a strong guy and it's a different thing when you're getting punched in the face. So I've heard. But Weidman's legs weren't moving. And that was the moment when it was like, oh, God, he's he's not able to escape anymore. His legs have gone completely flat, which means he's not even trying to escape, which means his mind has been shut off for him. So I was shocked they should have stopped this fight in the third round. Austin, how did you explain Chris Weidman's face to the people at your party that don't know about the UFC? How do I describe his what? His face when he was doing the after speech, oh. and you could see his brain. Well, yeah, I I was kind of appalled by that, but I was uh, I was just trying to explain to people that he just absolutely got turned into a trash heap. I can't believe that that kept going on. That guy was absolutely murdering him. I uh, as an I outsider, don't I don't understand how that works, and that's why I defer to you guys. I don't understand how that works sometimes, where you know. I was obviously pumped up, and I I knew that McGregor knocked out Aldo. But at the same time, I'm like, I want to see this replay. Like, how how, how sometimes these guys call it so quick, and then sometimes they don't. They let the guy get his face blown in. Yeah, I don't get me, it. Let me handle this one. As somebody who watched this fight in 15-second increments, I can answer this with the <laughs> utmost authority. <laughs> so even when I, when I was watching it from those Instagram videos, I was like, oh, shit, are they ending this? Are they ending this? And that was like in round two. So I had a pretty good idea of what was going on here. And I go, oh, shit, did he make it to another? He made it to another round. Okay, 15 seconds. Ugh, well, that's not good. And we got to a point where I could tell from my eye that it didn't look good for him. It looked like he was out of the fight, looked like something was wrong with Chris Weidman. And maybe the wrong was more so the fact that Luke Rockhold just had a lot of power and just knew how to shut him down. So there's a concept mm. in MMA that's known as intelligently defending yourself. And I think the one thing that really made Herb Dean allow the fight to go on, aside from the fact that it was a title fight and you want to see, you know, to win the championship, you got to beat the champ is a popular phrase. So I think that was Herb Dean's mentality of letting that fight continue on because like you say, Austin, sometimes they – people think they end the fights a little too soon or you know they just don't feel satisfied, especially in a title fight kind of contention. In this particular case, I could make the case that yeah, you could have stopped the fight a little bit earlier. But a number of fighters who we follow and are friends with were saying Herb Dean actually was doing fine by letting Weidman try it to at least – come back into the fight because at the very least he was putting his hands up, which is the loosest right, right, definition right. of intelligently protecting yourself. So right. that's kind of where that comes into play. And, and again, this is where two things happen. Two memes come up that really make me cry laughing. Number one is they put up a meme of Ivan Drago from Rocky Four, and it just says, Herb Dean be like, if he dies, he dies. <laughs> <laughs> and the yeah. second one is Great meme. Uh, footage of uh, Chris Weidman getting beat the shit out of and then on there you see juxtaposed with an episode of The Simpsons where you hear the kid going, stop! 
stop, stop, he's already dead. <laughs> and those two memes, I think, won the internet. So I, I, I have to say this. And Kev, Luke Rockhold said he needed this loss. That Luke did needed he? this loss, or that or Weidman sorry, needed that he, this? No, he needed this loss. Like Chris Weidman needed it for himself. Oh, he wasn't he wasn't right, and he he was very sincere in saying, you know, congrats to the champ. Hey, if we're gonna keep using Rocky, let's go with a real Rocky three moment. When you're start to get what you've always wanted, it's hard to protect your corner, and Luke looked hungry. Chris didn't. That's yeah. kind of how that that happens. And this gets back to let me cap I, off. That's Love. fine, but before you even go on any further, don't you ever compare anybody to Mr. T without qualifying it better. Excuse me. Clever Lang has that, you know, I'm from the streets. He's still hungry. That's Shut, up, man. <laughs> Shut up, old man. Shut up, old That's my favorite way to interrupt any press conference in the world, by the way. If somebody came up We've to me. We've got cars. <laughs> yeah, that's sorry. It came up and actually, like, interrupted me by saying, Shut up, old man. I'd probably, like, Laugh really You're hard. Fine with it. You're all right. Go yeah. for it. Anyway, go on, Kevin. But can I can I say something quick though about this? Yeah. The thing that I noticed is that I wished because I I don't know you I don't know what it was but I felt like I could find the UFC embedded on YouTube a lot easier for this for the July fight and I was watching them like almost every day and checking in on stuff and I, I mean especially when I got closer to the fight I felt like I had a tough time keeping up with which ones were new or which ones were about like mcgregor and stuff for this this upcoming one but then i i did after we spoke last week i was able to catch up on a bunch of stuff and i'll tell you that when when i was watching those i really do think and this uh, this is probably crazy but i really do think that i reaffirmed my own pick in Rockhold after just watching him and those things because i don't know what it is but there's something to the fact that like i don't want to say wyman didn't seem like he was focused because i don't know anything about him but just from watching those embeds or embedded like, you can get a sense of the guy that's really, like, you know, dead set and serious on it. And the fact that, like, sometimes I felt like the other guy will be talking and he's supposed, oh, the camera's on me. I go see something trash talk. And it sounds stupid. Then you got the other guy that's, like, talking crazy shit. Like, I don't know what he was saying. He's, like, going to get his fingernails done. He's like, so when I'm punching him, he's going to have my, my pretty toes in his face. I'm like, oh, it's weird shit. And I was like, this guy's a psycho. He's serious. He's coming to play. <laughs> he's doing all this weird stuff. Austin tends to find the psychopaths to be a very good MMA bet, which is, you know, not a terrible. It's also very important. This illustrates so perfectly why it's vital to get the perspective of people who don't watch the sport regularly to, like, remind us what it is we don't see. Because at a certain point, there are certain norms that you just buy into in MMA where you're like, oh, yeah, the trash talk and this. And I guess when they're. They're going to get like their nails painted or something. They're talking shit and they say shit like that. All right, cool. Fact. But I'm talking about yeah, I'm talking about what I thought what I felt was real was was real focus and determination and like what Kevin said, hunger. Yeah. And you know what, by the way, I could be screwed up who said what right now that I'm thinking about it. But anyway, one guy seemed more focused. I'm pretty sure it was Rockhold and I was right. <laughs> <laughs> and the Star Wars thing. Let's not yes. forget about that. Yeah, uh, Star Wars thing, though yeah. my final takeaway from the Weidman fight, can't wait for the rematch. I would have stopped it at the end of the third, and here's why. Previous mentioned legs. Um, if your arms are reasonable, that's a reasonable defense, and for the first 20 seconds, 1,000%, I was like, oh, Weidman's fine. He's defending. He's got a pretty good game plan here. And then he got hit by a left elbow 
right on the side of the temple that seemed to change um, just everything about him. He actually didn't ever seem to really recover. That's when I would have stopped the fight. His legs went a little limp, and he started to get railed. We're not At this point, his hands were blocking probably two out of every five punches, and there was probably about 15 landed. It should have been. It should have ended. Um, and the reason I know it should have ended is because I watched the next round when Weidman came out, uh, threw a spinning kick that he didn't appear to even understand he threw in a really smart way, um, and then proceeded to give one of the best speeches I've ever heard someone give after they lose. I was really impressed with him. And uh, I was okay with his dad grabbing the mic. I think it's weird that anyone can just grab the mic now that walks into the cage, but great speech. That does make it closer for us to be able to grab the mic at some point, though, Kev. So don't, don't, don't knock until you try it. Really? <laughs> you're not wrong. And apparently it isn't hard. Like You just have to sternly take it from Joe Rogan, who mm-hmm. seems perfectly fine with it. Joe Rogan has a strong I won't fight you for the mic policy that I dig. I think that Joe just has a I'll allow this yeah, screw it. kind of curiosity to the, the proceedings for nonsense. Yeah, they could fire me. Dude, so, dude, dude. Joe, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan hosts Fear Factor. He lets anything go. It's true. Absolutely. 100% got paid good money to let people shit on themselves and eat it. So I'm going <laughs> to zoom through some fights. Go for it, Kev. Souza versus Romero. Arguably the most disappointing fight. And it wasn't disappointing because they, they performed poorly. It was disappointing because these two are electric and bring fireworks. And this fight did not bring electricity or fireworks. This fight was mostly them, I don't know, kind of really figuring out how much the other one could move. Yol won the first round. Jacare won the third round. No one won the second round. Okay. Match. Okay. Damian Maya uh, took Gunnar Nelson's back and beat the shit out of him from there for, for three rounds. When you see a 30-25, not happen once, but twice. It's an interesting fight, just looking at the scorecard and on on the Instagrams. 10 minutes and 55 seconds of registered control. It's wow. impressive. With 193 strikes, it's like, fuck. <laughs> it, just, it would suck to have someone who's really good at being on your back, on your back hitting you in the face. That would blow for 15 minutes. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, Max Holloway wins over Jeremy Stevens. Uh, another close one. Like, just not a, you know. And but, I have to say, now, Austin, you were watching some of the prelims. Did anything speak out to you? Like, was there any fight that was kind of significant or that you were like, oh, that's kind of cool? Um, <clears throat> I think that Romero one, I was watching, paying it, I, I, I was into that one. Okay. And then I was looking for, um, oh, see, and I already forgot her name, the, the, the female fighter that I picked. And I was rooting for her hard and she didn't come up. Uh, hamburger? I kind of gave up the feeling. Hamburger, that's her, yep. And I, she kind of let me down, so then I moved along. I mean, Tisha Torres is a very difficult opponent, so not knowing that is a little bit of a disadvantage for you, I'm sure. But uh, Now I know it. Now you know she's she's a very good fighter. Um, Kev, were there any other major kind of fights that you saw that kind of spoke out to you? Uriah Faber looked fantastic against someone that, I don't know how good Frankie Sins is, but... You know, uh, you know good, good enough to uh, keep you uh, riding the, the top of uh, Fox <laughs> Sports One card. 
that's they. There you go. That's actually that's exactly where he was. Yep. I do have the results. All right, Kev. Let us know who won in this installment of Over Under Kevin between you and Austin. While there was some domination, uh, I did take this one six to four. Wow. You had McGregor. You also had Yancey Medeiros, correct? You had Rockhold, correct? Yep. And you had yes. Court McGee, correct? Which, that was close. You originally took Mauricio, because you like that name, but then you decided it was That's not right. a night that you wanted to vote for any Brazilians. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So you took some great notes. We both took Jacare Esparza, <laughs> which was my favorite um, name Raph's change. cousin. Raph's cousin, Jacare so uh, a six-four hard-fought battle. Pretty good. Yeah, the so FS1 prelims. Uh, the FS1 prelims were very helpful to me. Yes, they were. What are we? But what, I'm all about the main event. You and <laughs> once again, I would argue, and I don't feel great about this because you did pick the two biggest fights on the card. And uh, my main event record was pretty spotty. So two and three. Not good. Not good, Raph. What well, was okay. the bet? What was the bet, Kev? Austin, do you remember what it was? I do, or I do, and this is why I'm saying you're going to have to amend it because it was, especially if McGregor loses, I have to sit there like Dan Day Lewis in Gangs of New York with my Irish oh, flag around me. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to sit there like Daniel. It's all coming back to me now. First of all, Austin, you're a fantastic actor, so I don't think that's going to be a stretch for you. But but he didn't lose, so I, that defeats that whole purpose. You got to think of something else. Is that was that the caveat? Uh, I don't well, think he, that was the caveat. The, he, he, well, he, he, well, I think Kevin thought that by him winning the whole the whole the whole you know the whole night meant that McGregor would lose too, but we didn't factor in the fact that McGregor could win and Kevin could wipe me clean, wipe the floor clean with me with everybody else. I don't know what to do. We had well, factored that show. in. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I, again, the Northeast, he makes a suggestion and there's like, but you know, who knows? It's like, well, you had a plan. You just had one. You just threw one at us. Uh, the exact bet was that you had to drape an Irish flag while explaining that you're not, in fact, from Ireland. And that, but yeah, right. the McGregor thing. Here's so, here's the thing, Kev. If he wants to go on the McGregor thing, sure. Yeah, I kind of can do. still wear the Irish flag. I get his I feel, point, though. Like I, I don't feel what he should do is he should recite the actual Daniel Day Lewis monologue. Oh God! <laughs> because I feel he knows part of it. So uh, I don't know if how we hard could get be if there. we could get forty five seconds to a minute of that. I'm bets settled. Bet settled. But here's the thing. Done. Hold right. on, hold on, hold on. I I think people they love to compare the purism of like shot for shot. You know what I mean? Like they want mm-hmm. the dialogue to be the exact same. What if I were to add the following condition to it? And Austin, it's not a terrible one, but maybe Kevin will like this. I don't know. Maybe I've loved every suggestion is, so far. It's been it's, that, we're getting better and better. Kevin, for Austin, he should only be able to look at the footage once and then recreate it from memory and fill in the blanks. Perfect. 
with whatever he comes up with as he does it. I was hoping he'd give us some improv anyway. I mean, he's the artist. I, I do appreciate the production notes. That's how so, that's how this is done. So that's I don't know, Kev, do you do you want to give him the option of and or? Because <laughs> Absolutely. I do think we can trust Austin on this. Okay. Um, because he did call one of the fighters, uh, he took him just because the sickest name, Gunnar Nelson. Yeah. And when you have that kind of conviction, um, you're ready for this type of small, stupid bet to repay. I, I'm, I'm, whatever you say. I'm, I'm, I lost the whole night, but I won the biggest one, so I'll do whatever you want. I'm night. still happy. <laughs> Minus Sinead's, which was bullshit. Um, well, Austin, if you don't mind, just the next major card featuring McGregor, if you could just shoot me your top three picks, that'd be great. Done. And then we'll split the winnings, right? Because now I know you're going to go to Vegas. Before. Oh, for fucking sure. Yeah, I'm parlaying anyone that, anyone that was undefeated and has yeah. been out of the cage for a year. Uh, I will now be betting against as much. Here's as my one concern with this idea, aside from the obvious. I feel that Kevin is going to be the person who puts like the equivalent at a sports book of like the ninety cent bet on a five dollar machine, and uh, then tells Austin like, no, "Hey, Austin, we won." And Austin's like, "Oh my god, how much did we win?" And you just see Kevin go. A full three dollars. Uh, Raph, I would never do that no, for the single no. reason I couldn't get a drink ticket if I put a ninety second, ninety cent bet in. You got to put at least five or ten, and you know, throw them a tip. And I usually like to put a two hundred dollar, but not the point. You really have not done the seedier parts of Vegas. You can make anything happen on any budget. <laughs> you just give people a strong <laughs> look, and they'll mm-hmm. they'll talk about and it. And that's that's the way. Let's let's remember that quote from Raph right there. The seedier parts of Vegas, you can do it anything. Absolutely, <laughs> you give them a strong nod. At some point, the waitresses are going to tip you. I'm just saying, uh, experience all of Vegas while you can, kids. We see the world in a different way. That's what's Perfect. great, Austin. Thank you for a being a patriot. I just always like to thank you for your continued service to the country. B being a fervent McGregor supporter, you added a lot to these last two, and C losing to me in such a violently respectful manner. I can't thank you enough for the uh, just coming in here and taking a real Aldo dive. I'd just like to to point out uh, one Illuminati too. Austin Kevin needed this badly. Like he doesn't win a lot on this show or in life. So this is. So all I can say is thank you guys for the opportunity. It's been wonderful. It made it a lot more exciting, especially because I didn't really care about any of the other fights that much. But um, I'll say that it, to be a gracious um, loser to Kevin, that's fine. I'm still uh, part of the team of champions, as we saw Saturday night. Oh, my God. And um, the, other more, the other more important thing is that this is what, the kind of people that me and Conor McGregor are that, you know, we can have our wins and all of our victories and then we can still do great things for the rest of the people out there, the poor people like Kevin and stuff. We can give you a little <laughs> a bone too and make you feel good about yourself. <laughs> Verbal tap fans. Austin Staff. Raph, it's always a great day when you get to talk to Casey Alstead. You talk to Joe Murphy, and you talk to Austin Stack. It's always Absolutely. a great day. What a it's podcast. 
I am once again on a hot streak. It's um like I can't lose. <laughs> um, I guess it's like that. It's not quite that. But my it's Christmas slash birthday present to you is that I won't say anything in regard to that. I love it. I really do. And that's gonna do it for us tonight, which takes us to shout outs. I'll start. Victoria planned a lovely three days. It was amazing. We had a blast. Ended at a jazz club. Can't hurt. A little speakeasy jazz club called Nocturne down here in Denver. My parents drove eight and a half hours. Raph. Come hang out for a few days. We had a blast. Went up to Boulder. Ate some uh, lovely French dinner. Some walking around Denver. Just good times. Explored the, the new city. Big thanks to everyone made a little birthday shout out my sister was posting a lot of lovely photos you posted another great photo from your wedding there's also a few Mm -hmm. i hadn't seen some from austin and i which is great but we have our uh kawaii i have my kawaii top on kawaii kimono from uh, Mm -hmm. greek and frankly it's so nice to have professional photographers to fix the way you look and to make you look better. That's uh, And the pictures are great. So tons of thank you to everyone that made the 30th great. It was awesome. It's been a ton of fun. I'm excited about 2016. I'm ready to get there. Hmm. And that's going to do it for me, Raph. Jesus, I have uh, a ton uh, to go through. I, I can't thank everybody in, by name from EBI this weekend. It was so great seeing just so many good people. I guess you start at the top. Let's go ahead and make sure we're thanking like people like Casey Halstead, uh, Blanca Melissa Garcia for taking care of us, uh, our good friends over at the MMA Complex uh, for even uh, volunteering to host uh, my camera up in the air as a backup camera when I was doing an interview with Gary and Eddie. That's that's true commitment. Those guys couldn't be nicer. So we want to give them a nice shout out. Uh, they have a very nice podcast. They're youngsters. You know, Kev? Yeah. I looked mm. at them and I was like, how, how deep are you guys into your podcast? And they're like, we're at four months. And I was like, ah, I remember my youth too. They're still sending flirty texts. Ah. Uh, Everyone's yeah. excited. Yeah. Kevin, before he lost his looks, you know. <laughs> Send- just before he was 30 and ancient, but uh, you kids, you kids of the future, okay? Then you go around out and play. Play the jujits. Uh, my thanks to them. I also want to send a shout out to the Pulling Guard podcast, uh, who were really good, good sports, because, um, well, I cut a video right in front of their booth uh, where they were broadcasting. They were doing a podcast there. And I said, you know, it was so great to be the only podcast on hand. And uh, they were pointing to their their giant banner, and uh, they were really really fun to talk to. So we wish them all the best. I hope they are doing well. Um, Jesus, just everybody there. We made so many good friends uh, up in balcony section. Am I right? And I also want to give a big shout out to Octavio Villanueva because Octavio is reaching a point now in his photography where he is becoming increasingly better with every event I get to work with him. And uh, I just want to say thanks to him for being a great photog. It was good, good shit. So great stuff all around. EBI was a blast. Like I said, I know I'm forgetting people, but, uh, you know, running into Budo Dave and Budo Jake was awesome uh, because 
you know, we run into each other at the same pizza joint, which is right next to the Orpheum. <laughs> and uh, like Jake's like, dude, I feel like this is where I see you all the time. And I was like, Jake, listen, I'm fat. <laughs> this is where we go to get pizza. So, yeah, you'll see me here. Jake, fatty got to eat. Never forget. <laughs> OK. And uh, he was really nice. And uh, we love those guys. So great stuff all around there. It's I also just, a, I, you just I, named three people that are experienced in press. And you know what they were all doing right before the event started? Eating, getting some food right. right before they had to go to work. I had what you were all doing a large burger yeah. before the event started because I said, I know what's happening next. Yeah. I'm so aware. can't fool me. Coverage. Anymore. Nope. <laughs> Not anymore. Uh, so that was some good stuff um, also be on the lookout there's some stuff coming out in Jits Magazine I think you guys will like that obviously check out our YouTube page there's going to be some more interviews so my thanks to everybody who I got to interview there's some really cool folks who I've never talked to so I was really excited for that and uh, you know oh thanks to our good friends over at the Nawaza booth uh, happy for hooking it up I got some really cool swag you may have seen it in the video so uh, we love our good friends over there we also want to support the on it tournament there is an ornament jiu-jitsu tournament happening in uh, i believe it's texas yeah, over the weekend so you guys want to support that if you can buy the stream it's gonna be i believe on flow grappling and uh what if i were to just i don't know kev can i throw some names real quick please okay what if i were to tell you guys that there's going to be uh, if you're in the texas area there's going to be an Eddie Bravo seminar to host and open. It's going to go for three hours, I think, or a couple hours there. Then you're going to have some super fights. You're going to have Travis Moore versus Jason Carr, Nate Harris versus Dan Dow. And then, I don't know, if you want to see some folks compete, maybe you like uh, Boogie. You guys fans of him? He's pretty good. I'm a you fan. Know? You know, you got uh, Jose... Uh, you've got Tommy McKay, uh, Derek Arza, just Robert Rodriguez, Manuel Rimmar. And I mean, that's just on that side. Then you've got our good friend uh, Travis Nawaza that's going to be in a super fight with Travis Toke. So, guys, there's a lot of stuff going on. You want to be on top of this. We want to support local events. It's happening Saturday, December 19th at 3 p.m. Austin time, which will give you enough time to watch the UFC going on later in that day. So good, good stuff, you guys. Get excited for it. I know I am. And, uh, yeah, we want to say shout-outs to Valley Martial Arts Center. There was a nice promotion night that happened. So props to everybody who got promoted. Props to everybody who I got to run into. Good, good stuff over there. And props to Casey, who is killing it just teaching classes. I'm looking forward to getting back out there and attending one of his classes. Let's I'm go ahead and give a nice shout-out. forward to you getting back out and taking some classes. Absolutely. I need to fucking mm, – mm, fatty got to eat, but fatty got to work out too. That's the sad part of that I equation. I just need to ask you about what you're doing and uh, what kind of moves you're working on. <laughs> just, I have much more selfish point, motives than your health. <laughs> I guess, but I mean at this point you're just turning into a junkie and I don't know that I should be supporting it. I don't either. I don't, I don't have a good answer for you. <laughs> you got some moves, man. Rep. Work inside control? What are you, what are you doing? What are you up to? Um, so I want to say thank you to them. Thank you to, of course, our good friends over at Breakdown Academy. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of good stuff going on, guys. But uh, I just want to take a quick moment to send well wishes and good vibes to our good friend, my BJJ podcast arch nemesis, Paul Moran. In case you may not know, Paul has had some health issues going on in the past. And uh, he's he's kind of a soldier. He just kind of drudges on through it. Very, very optimistic in terms of 
how he's going to recover and how he's going to beat it. He never, ever talks about it. So we've always followed suit. We don't really like to <clears throat> bring that sort of stuff up. But Paul's good people. And uh, good people have good things happen to them every once in a while. So good folks over at Scramble spearheaded a a whole thing between uh, On the Mat, Merkatsu, uh, Newaza Apparel. They all came together to join forces so that they could release a rash guard. And those proceeds from that rash guard are going to go directly over to Paul to uh, cover some of his medical bills that uh, he, you know, when you get kind of sick like that, not everything gets taken care of. And it is so nice and comforting to see the jiu-jitsu community rally together for uh, who I personally believe to be the Edward R. Murrow of our sport. So if you guys are so inclined, I would highly encourage you if you love Paul, if you love Open Mat Radio. I don't, but maybe you do. Uh, I would highly encourage you to go encourage and uh, implore your friends, training partners, all of the good folks that you know who like Paul, uh, to go ahead and purchase a pre-order for a uh, Just Another Lion to Kill rash guard. And you can find that over on scramblestuff.com. Yep, store.scramblestuff.com. Thank you very much, Kevin. I appreciate that. And uh, go ahead and go over to that link. Buy yourself a rash guard. I already have myself. And uh, support your friend Paul. By the way, it's a great, great, great rash guard. So uh, it's good stuff. And you know, as you do it, not only listen to Open Rat Radio, but send Paul a good note as you do it. He loves getting them, and he's a good guy. Except when he's a terrible human yeah, being. When he's when he and Rat. Yeah, when I just, I mean, I don't like him though. It's just, I understand. It's, I get it. It's yeah. still like, he's still not a good person. Obviously. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, it's like, what's Batman supposed to do if Joker's not there? Like, nothing. Yeah. Who are, I'm not even, no, I'm not diving into who's who. And thank you to everyone out there tuning in. That's going to do it for us tonight at Verbal Tap. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night and good fight.